Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Beautiful day in downtown South Bend, Indiana. Sunshine, 82 degrees. Had some showers earlier today, but nice day for some football practice at the University of Notre Dame as the Fighting Irish continue their preparation for their matchup in Chapel Hill, North Carolina this Saturday. 1-2 Notre Dame visiting 3-0 North Carolina. Everything you need right here on WSBT Radio. On Saturday, our pregame coverage begins at 9 a.m. with a replay of the Marcus Freeman Show. From 10 to 12, the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show. That's our Notre Dame football interview show with Jimmy Rosari and Tim Growl. Then Tyler Hork and I with the Game Day Sports Beat pregame show powered by Michelob Ultra. From 12 until 2.30, Tyler reporting live from Chapel Hill. Then we'll have kickoff at 3.30. After the game, Jim comes back with Reggie Brooks. It's the official Notre Dame football postgame show right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our program is also streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, a video stream on the free Twitch app. Ten minutes after 5 o'clock, thank you so much for joining me. Darren Pritchett with you on this Tuesday, September the 20th of 2022. We're already coming up at, what, four out of 12 games already in the books? Holy cow, this thing is flying, and it always does. Game number four coming up on Saturday as the Irish look to get back to the 500 mark at 2-2 two and two and try to slow down a Carolina offense, averaging 50 points per game, but they're giving up not counting their matchup against Florida A&M, 260 rushing yards per game. Their defense has been dented by Georgia State and Appalachian State. 
Coming up on our program this evening, we are on the air until 6.40, then have to step aside for South Bend Cubs baseball, Game 2 of the Best of Three Midwest League Championship Series. South Bend down one game to none, facing elimination. South Bend playing at Lake County tonight, first pitch at 7 o'clock. A segment I did not get to on yesterday's program did Saturday's game against Cal, a game that the Irish won 24-17, play out the way that I laid out on Friday? We'll go through some of the details on that. We've got our Twitter question of the day. Five things to know about Saturday's opponent, North Carolina. Notre Dame football recruiting conversation with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He went out and checked out a Notre Dame commit tight end Jack Larson last weekend. So Mike will offer his thoughts on seeing Larson in person. And also I'm going to ask him, is there a player from last year's class that you're really intrigued by that you're to the point you kind of want to see him on the field? Now, the easy answer is Tobias Merriweather. He's been out there a little bit against Cal, had a few snaps. Benjamin Morrison started over Clarence Lewis at corner last week, so we can't go with him. He's already out there, so we'll see who Mike comes up with when he joins me an hour from right now here on WSBT Radio. The White Sox, if not now, win. They've got the first-place Guardians in their house the next three nights, including tonight with Dylan Cease on the mound for Chicago. We'll wrap up the program with our sports wagering segment all coming up on Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, the Fighting Irish on Saturday watched their defense give up just 296 yards to the California Golden Bears, led by a quarterback they faced last year at Purdue and Jack Plummer. Cal was okay, nothing spectacular. Scored a couple of touchdowns against the Irish defense. But for the most part, the defense held down the California offense. You fast forward seven days, it's almost like Cal is a Volkswagen and North Carolina is a Corvette. The Volkswagen gets you where you need to go without a lot of fanfare or excitement. The Corvette, pedal to the metal, flash and substance with that car. It's kind of like what we're dealing with for the Notre Dame defense going from the California offense to the North Carolina offense. Again, averaging 50 points per game. Yeah, Florida A&M was not at full strength and a lesser opponent anyway in that first game. But they have still put up big numbers against Appalachian State on the road, the same team that beat Texas A&M, and then the Hail Mary beat Troy last week. Georgia State, that was a road game for Carolina. I don't understand playing that game. They played it, picked up a touchdown in the fourth quarter and won 35-28. The quarterback is Derek May, a former Alabama commit, and ended up at North Carolina backing up Sam Howell last year, and now it is the Derek May Show. 11 touchdowns, 
one interception, completing over 70% of his passes. He's making Carolina fans forget Sam Howell, a four-year starter in Chapel Hill. Kids off to a great start with North Carolina. Hopefully the Notre Dame pass rush we saw against Cal will be ready to roll in Chapel Hill on Saturday. Let's go back to the matchup against California. The Irish win 24-17. The Notre Dame defense had struggled in the first two fourth quarters of the season at Ohio State and home against Marshall. Both of those games featured the opposition with 90-plus yard touchdown drives to really hurt the Irish. Going into the fourth quarter against Cal, Notre Dame trailed 17-14. They got a field goal to tie it, then Pine to Mayer on the go-ahead touchdown strike. And the defense gave up no points. They gave us all heart attacks in the last minute or so of the game with the targeting, the touchdown on a fumble recovery that was overturned by replay. They didn't handle the Hail Mary well. It was interesting, but ultimately, job done. They held California out of the end zone. And the Irish outscored Cal in the fourth quarter 10 to nothing. So that is a big improvement. Marcus Freeman, head coach of the Fighting Irish, his thoughts on the play of his defense on Saturday against California. Yeah, I remember I said to the sideline, um, after we gave up that touchdown drive, I think we were down three, and I just said, this isn't going to be a repeat. Like, this isn't going to be here we go again. We're going to change the outcome of this game, and it's going to be by our offense going out there and doing what we have to do and executing, and then our defense, when we get the opportunity, we're going to go out there and execute, and that's what you saw, and uh, we needed that. That was a big moment for us because I could see it on some guys' faces, and even mine for a second, oh, shoot, here we go again. No, it's not here we go again. We're going to change the outcome by the way we execute and by how hard we play, and, and it was great to see that. And, and to answer your question on turnovers, it, you know what, I did see it was more deliberate. We were trying to get the ball out. We, you know, DJ Brown gets a penalty for trying to rip the ball, and he throws the guy down. We got to stop on the whistle, and that was the right call, but it was deliberate. And, I mean, you just can't buy one at the end, end of the game. JD gets the, the targeting, and you almost get a chance to last play the game, but we're going to focus on the positives. We're going to focus on the positives. <laughs> Yeah, after a game like that, starting 0-2, you will take the positives. Another positive was the pass rush. Six sacks and five quarterback hurries for the Irish against the Golden Bears. Jacob Lacey from the interior of the Irish defensive line. Five tackles, two sacks. The All-American candidate, Isaiah Foskey, coming off the edge. Four tackles, one and a half sacks. And a couple of quarterback curries. Hey, let's be honest. California's offensive line won't be one of the better ones the Irish face this year. But when you face weakness, you want to dominate. And for portions of that game, Notre Dame was able to do that with their defensive line. Marcus Freeman, six sacks from the pass rush. He'll take that. Yeah, it's a deep unit. And, you know, I, I, was, I was hard on him. Um, Coach Washington, I was hard on that unit. And even after the first half, you know, a couple QB scrambles. And 
but they know I believe in him. And there was one point, Jason Adamiola in the second half, he walked over to me and said, Coach, I got you. I got you. Went out and made a sack. And that's what you want, man. You want some guys that take ownership in the performance on the field. And that's a deep group. Coach Wash does an excellent job with that group. And uh, we're going to need them all. We're going to need them all to have a relentless pass rush. This is going to be a week where you're going to have to stay in your passing lanes or rush lanes, I should say, because May is more than willing to leave the pocket, scramble, run around. He's not Tyler Buckner running around, but highly efficient, almost 150 rushing yards over his first three games, including a rushing touchdown. So if you don't contain him in the pocket, he can't escape. And if you're in man coverage and your corners have the back, to their backs to the quarterback, all of a sudden it can really turn into a big play for the North Carolina offense. Success in the fourth quarter. I mentioned it just a moment ago. The Irish outscored North, or I should say California, 10-0 last Saturday. So why was there success in this fourth quarter and not the previous two? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know exactly what it was that made them do that because – if I did, we would do it at the start of the game. But it was good to see. I think it was just the confidence. It was the defense coming out of the, half, uh, out of the, the locker room, going three and out. The offense um, driving the ball. I think um, the coming up offense, um, we got the personal foul. Okay, the roughing the passer on Drew as we were driving. And then we ran the same running play four plays in a row. And we got to 13 personnel. I think Audrey got eight yards on the first play. He said, run it again, run it again, bam. Got a first down, run it again, run it again, and we end up scoring. So four plays in a row we ran um, the same play, and it turned into points. And then the next series, um, I put, we had an eight-play drive. It ended up in a field goal, eight-play drive with six runs and two RPOs. You know? And so when you're able to run the ball with efficiency, I think it gains confidence, and it opens up so many other options for you. Head coach Marcus Freeman, hopefully that carries over into Saturday. Big challenge against that Carolina offense. And they get, it looks like Josh Downs back, their top wide receiver, had nine catches in the opener against Florida A&M, injured, did not play against App State or Georgia State. The expectation is Downs will be ready to go, and Downs had 10 catches against the Fighting Irish at Notre Dame Stadium last year. Definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And then there was the Hail Mary at the end of the game. If you played defensive back, if you're a big football fan and you listen closely to broadcasts, what do you always hear? Or if you're a football player, what do you know? On a Hail Mary, don't try to catch it. Knock it down. Knock it down. Because if you try to catch it, all those hands are going after the football. It can be tipped up in the air. And then chaos ensues. App State tipped it back toward the five-yard line, intentionally caught and ran in for a touchdown. There's a lot of different ways to handle the Hail Mary offensively. Defensively, that ball was up in the air a long time because it was not batted down by the Irish. Marcus Freeman explains what he wanted to see and what the Irish were thinking on that Hail Mary. I was ready at the end of the game to stop and say, okay, let's let's come here and regroup and let's talk about how we're supposed to play that, you know, and that's just the, the coaching side of me. But, you know, it was a situation where we, it was two things that could have happened. 
right? They could have thrown a Hail Mary and it was a jump ball. Or they had shown on film, because Coach Golden knew they're off the coordinator, to say, okay, hey, run everybody deep, take a guy underneath probably about four, probably eight to five to eight yards in front of the goal line, have him catch it and try to block and run in. And so as you see the Appalachian State um, play where it's a little bit in front of the end zone, it gets tipped and he scores. And so Coach Gordon was kind of thinking, okay, we might get this play where they're not going to go all the way to the end zone. They might throw it in front of it. And so that's why we called what we called. But our players have to understand Let's start this. Coaches have to make sure we teach the players that we might call that defense for that situation, not thinking they're going to throw the Hail Mary. If it turns into a Hail Mary, we have to make sure that there's certain people responsible for certain offensive players. And your job is to box out the offensive player. And so there's really a couple guys that are there for the jump ball, um, and everybody else is boxing out offensive threats. But what happened is, is that that, what, that is what happened. Everybody's looking for the ball. The ball's thrown, you see probably five or six defensive guys looking for the ball. Everybody's trying to jump up and catch it and bat it, and it was close. And, uh, man, you know, it's, again, as I said to open, to teach from that moment after a victory is something that I would much rather do than if they would have caught that Hail Mary. And so we got to clean that up as coaches, which we addressed yesterday, and then our players then will have to go execute it. I'm not sure how much Hail Mary defense was emphasized so far this season. No question on Sunday, I'm sure there were several moments that were set aside to talk about what to do in that moment. Write it on the chalkboard. Knock it down. Knock it down. Knock it down. Knock it down. 524. And WSBT, Darren Pritchett with you. The Irish and the Heels, Saturday, 3.30 kickoff. Probably the Irish are going to have to score some points in this ball game against Carolina. I don't think Carolina is going to reach their season average. I have much more respect with the Irish defense than that. But the offense scoring 30, at least, would not hurt their chances in this ball game. All right, 5.25 is our time. Let's go back to the Cal game one more time. I laid out how I thought the game was going to play out on Friday. We'll review those thoughts and talk more about the Irish getting their first win of the year. And we are still looking ahead to Saturday with the Fighting Irish taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels. 3.30 kick on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Special teams touchdown would not hurt on Saturday, would it? To help out the Fighting Irish offense as they look for their identity and Settling in, their new starting quarterback, Drew Pine. 5.30 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio, WSBTradio.com, and the WSBT Radio app. So did Saturday's game play out the way that I thought it might? A couple of tools I used on Friday. First, our advantage game. When Cal ran the football, I gave the advantage to California. 
in the ball. Actually, I gave the advantage to Notre Dame, excuse me. And Cal had 31 carries for 112 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. I'll give a slight advantage to Cal from that standpoint. When Cal threw the football, I thought Notre Dame would have the advantage, and I think they did. Jack Plummer was held in check, 184 passing yards. He was sacked six times in the ball game. When Notre Dame ran the football, I said advantage Notre Dame. I'll lean toward Notre Dame, 41 carries, 147 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. When Notre Dame threw the football, because Pine was a first-time starter, I said neutral. I think you have to give the advantage to Notre Dame after a slow start. Pine, 17 of 23 for 150 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Something I saw today. Here we go. From college football watcher, Drew Pine. I'm sure you've seen the video of offensive coordinator Tommy Reese on the phone talking to Pine during the game and screaming at him and using some very creative language. I think he used the same word maybe three times. A very strong adjective was used toward Drew Pine by Tommy Reese. Prior to the yelling, Pine was 3 of 8, 19 yards, 3.2 yards per attempt. After the yelling and that very ferocious adjective thrown at him a couple of times, 14 of 15, 117 yards a touchdown and 7.8 yards per attempt. Well, on special teams, I called it neutral in the ball game. Eh, let's call it a draw. Intangibles, I went with California. They had nothing to lose coming in here, and I was wondering, hey, in the fourth quarter, would Notre Dame feel a little heat being 0-2 and put under you know, scrutiny by California? Well, they were down going to the fourth. They handled it beautifully, outscoring Cal 10 to nothing. Now, the five ways I thought this game would play out, number five was Notre Dame would record at least four sacks. They went well by that number. They had six, and two of the six sacks, a pleasant surprise from the interior of the Irish defensive line with Jacob Lacey. Coming up with two, nice to see Isaiah Foskey with one and a half sacks, six sacks, and five quarterback hurries for the Fighting Irish. Another element to this Notre Dame-Cal game on Friday that I gave you, that Chris Tyree would get the ball, only 12 touches through two games, that he would go by that number in this game, and sure enough, he did. 22 touches for Tyree in the ball game, 17 rushes, five catches. He was targeted five times and caught all five passes. Now, Logan Diggs was available but was under the weather on Thursday, so that allowed Tyree to get more touches. I get the sense with Diggs ready to go this week. You'll see Tyree's number drop again. Hopefully not to the point of six touches per game over the first two, but somewhere in between six and 22. Another way I thought the game would play out on Saturday, I said Drew Pine, he would get better as the game goes on, but there would be some hiccup moments. And all the hiccup moments were in the first portion of the game with the fumbled snaps, the first pass, which was a gimme. Great call by Reese, getting him out of the pocket, just flipping the ball forward three or four yards and did not throw it well at all. It was looking like, oh boy, how is this quarterback thing going to shake out? You look up, Steve Angeli's throwing on the sideline. Holy cow, what's going on? But then... The conversation between Reese and Pine occurred. Coincidence or not, things got a whole lot better from there. Another element to the game, I thought, 
It would play out in this fashion from Friday's show. The Notre Dame defense will be stout against the run and hold Cal to one touchdown. Stout against the run, 31 carries for 112. I would not call that stout. And they gave up two touchdowns and not one. And my final score prediction was Notre Dame 26, Cal 13. So in the neighborhood, it ended up 24 17, so off by a total of six points. Miss Notre Dame by two and Cal by four points in the ballgame. So that's how I saw the matchup with Cal playing out was in the ballpark with most of those predictions. And we'll try it again on Friday as we give you some things to watch for when Notre Dame travels to North Carolina. Well, our Twitter question of the day has been active the last couple of days. Apparently questions you've enjoyed answering. We'll give you the results to yesterday's question, and we'll bring you a new question coming up in a couple of moments as Sportsbeat continues. We're brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook Family Business. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org and by South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, 542 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the WSBT Radio app. Darren Pritchett with you on this Tuesday evening. South Bend Cubs baseball coming up one hour from right now. They try to stay alive and avoid a big celebration in East Lake, Ohio tonight as Lake County tries to win the championship. I think it might be their first time winning the Midwest League championship. So a big night northeast of Cleveland. We'll see if South Bend can force a deciding game three tomorrow night. Max and Brendan have the call pregame. At 6.40, first pitch at 7 o'clock. Well, our Twitter question of the day yesterday was posted on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. The question was, what was the most important development from Notre Dame's 24-17 win over California? Here were the four choices I offered you. Number one. The play of Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine was the most important development for Notre Dame. Running back Chris Tyree getting more involved with the offense. How about the fourth quarter defensive effort from the Fighting Irish? And your fourth choice, just finding a way to win. 
You voted. Here are the results. Coming in fourth place, I guess the fourth most important development from Notre Dame's 24-7 team win over California, Drew Pine's play at 10.5%. Now, for a guy that ended the day with some decent stats, completed 17 of 23 passes, a little surprised it did not get more support. I wonder if it has to do with the fact Drew didn't throw the ball down the field, wasn't asked to. And with the way the game started when he was looking really shaky, that might have affected the vote more than anything else. Or maybe in the back of your mind, you can still picture Tommy Reese yelling at Drew Pine. Whatever the case, apparently you were not that wild about Drew Pine, or at least it was not a big development the way he played, 10.5%. Third place in the voting for the most important development from the Notre Dame win over Cal. Fourth quarter defense, 15.8%. Hey, there are four good choices here. You can't vote for everything. This was important. After you watch Ohio State and Marshall with those 90-plus yard touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, the Buckeye touchdown sealed the win. The Marshall touchdown put them in front to stay. And again, maybe just a small portion of the game affected you not voting for fourth quarter defense. Look at the way the game ended. The targeting by J.D. Bertrand. You had the Hail Mary that was almost botched by the Fighting Irish defense. The fumble recovery for a touchdown that never was because... The Cal quarterback knee was down before flipping the ball forward. Whatever the case, fourth quarter defense did not get much support, 15.8%. Most important development for Notre Dame in their win over Cal, number two, 33.3% of the vote. Chris Tyree getting more involved in the offense. This would have been my vote if I was allowed to vote. 12 touches in two games is just unsatisfactory. Unless the coaching staff believes that he is the third best running back on this team, which I don't believe is the case at this very moment. Well, they got involved with 22 touches against Cal. Again, Logan Diggs was dressed, but they were going to hold him back due to an illness. So Tyree got the touches. I can't wait to see if the increase in touches was more to do with hey, the coaches want to make sure Tyree gets the ball, or is it that Diggs didn't play, and that's why the numbers went up significantly? We'll learn a little bit more about what the coaching staff thinks of Chris Tyree this Saturday against North Carolina. And winning the vote, the most important development for Notre Dame in their win over California, I think it's just fans that are happy they won. Just find a way to win. 40.4% of you voted in that capacity. And I get it. The 0-2 start is frustrating. You just wanted to see the football team win. And, in fact, they got it done on Saturday. I'm sure the diehard fans didn't vote for that. They have higher expectations. Even in a win, they want them to play better against a team that may finish close to 500 in the Pac-12. But the Pac-12 does not have many good teams. How about Herm Edwards, the Arizona State head coach, 
fired, leaving the field in the end zone by the president and the AD after losing to Eastern Michigan. Man, that is tough. But anyway, finding a way to win was the winning vote at 40.4%. I appreciate your vote, and I'd love for you to vote again today on our Twitter question of the day, which is available right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Today's question, I think we can all agree that Lorenzo Styles is Notre Dame's number one wide receiver. Number two, take your pick. So let's fast forward. With Styles being the number one wide receiver, who do you believe will be the number two wide receiver by the end of the season? Here are your choices. We'll go with the grizzly old veteran, Braden Lindsey. What about sophomore Jaden Thomas? Not a factor in the passing game so far. Coming off an injury, we saw him out there on special teams, Deion Colsey, another sophomore. Or could it be freshman Tobias Merriweather, who got five snaps against Cal? So if Lorenzo Styles is Notre Dame's number one wide receiver, by the end of the year, who's number two? Lindsey, Thomas, Colsey, Merriweather. You can vote right now at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter. I'll pass along the results on tomorrow's program. Coming up next, five things you need to know about Saturday's opponent, North Carolina. That's next on 960 AM WSBT. Abby, thank you very much. 553 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchard with you. Yeah, what I said a moment ago might have sound familiar, and it was on purpose. In the Twitter question of the day, the one choice for the most important development from Notre Dame's win was just finding a way to win. If you've been a Notre Dame football fan going back to the late 90s, early 2000s, that might ring a bell because one Robert Davey, when he had issues beating Navy, came up with this famous line that I've kept all these years. Just find a way to beat Navy. Just find a way to beat Navy. And you know what? He did. And that's why I phrased the answer the way I did. Just finding a way to win. Bob, that was for you. Just find a way to beat <laughs> Navy. Just find a way to beat Navy. That's when things were really starting to slip away from Coach Davey. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, today's My Five. Five things you need to know about Saturday's opponent, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, the Heels are 3-0 and and coming off a bye in week zero. Carolina opened their season with an easy win over a shorthanded Florida A&M team, 56-24. The Tar Heels then won a crazy game at Appalachian State, 63-61. They gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter. Who does that? Their most recent game two weeks ago, Carolina won at Georgia State, 35-28. Four. Number four, Carolina head coach Mack Brown started his coaching career in 1973. His head coaching career started in 1983. 
Marcus Freeman was born in 1986. They'll match wits in Saturday's game in Chapel Hill. The 71-year-old Brown was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2018. This is his second tenure at Carolina. He was the Heels head coach from 88 to 97. Took the Texas job, led them to the national title in 2005. Returned to Carolina in 2019. His record at Carolina, 93, 63, and 1. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. How about some notable North Carolina alumni? Boy, there's some really good players on this list. Warsaw's Rick Fox, of course, went to Carolina. Vince Carter, LT Lawrence Taylor, arguably the greatest female soccer player in America, Mia Hamm, former Bear Julius Peppers, Andy Griffith. Yeah, that guy. Andy Griffith went to Carolina. Radio personality Rick Dees, former Big Ten commissioner Jim Delaney, a couple of really good newsmen, Charles Corralt and Roger Mudd, and golfer Davis Love III, and you might have heard of that Michael Jordan guy as well. Number two. Wide receiver Josh Downs was injured. Still had nine catches for 78 yards of the opener against Florida A&M. Has not played since. He's missed the last couple of games. The Heels expect him to play against Notre Dame. Last time we saw Josh Downs at Notre Dame Stadium last year, 10 catches, 142 yards, along of 41 yards a game that the Irish turned back the Heels 44-34. Number one. Well, Carolina had Sam Howell for four years, and now the quarterback position belongs to Derek May, former Alabama commit, spending his second year in Chapel Hill. He is now the guy, 72 of 97, throwing the football this year for 74%, 930 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, one interception. He's also ran it 26 times for 146 yards and a touchdown. Watch out. Good young quarterback at Carolina in Derek May. That is your My 5 question of the day. Tomorrow, we'll look at five keys for the Irish defense against Carolina. It is 5.58. Stand by for a Sports Center update. Then we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated on WSBT. It's time to talk Notre Dame football recruiting on Sportsbeat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Mike Singer. Mike, good to be with you. How are you today? Excellent, Darren. It's good to be with you as well. Let's start with some rankings from On3, which of course is connected to Blue and Gold Illustrated. They have updated their national rankings and three Notre Dame players improved their status in the rankings. Let's get some of your thoughts on these players. We'll start with Sullivan Ebsher. Yeah, and I want to note real quick, Darren, that, you know, typically when we talk about rankings, we use what's called the On3 consensus, which takes On3's own rankings, 24-7 sports, ESPN, and rivals. And it equally weighs them, puts them together, and spews out this national ranking. So someone like Sullivan Absher is listed as the nation's 170 uh, first overall player, number 13 offensive tackle. So that's the consensus when you look at all four of them and you, and you, and you put that together. On three's individual rankings are much higher. 
um, on, on after than the, the consensus. So he's the number 58 overall player in the number seven offensive tackle. So um, from on three's own rankings, he moved up 19 spots. Um, so add 19 on to 58, whatever that number is, that's what he was before. I think it was 77. Like 77 or something. So that's what he was. So yeah, the, you know, and I talked to Charles power, the on three director of scouting rankings, and you can find that article at blueandgold.com. And look, Absher is someone who doesn't really go to camps. So you don't get to see him in the off season in person. So it's just game film. Um, or if you go to a game in person, uh, but on his senior video so far on you know, what you can find online, he's looked fantastic. So Absher plays in a flex bone offense where he's not really out pass blocking much <laughs> at all. So there's a little bit of a projection there, Darren, in terms of, you know, is that something he can do on a regular basis? But, you know, his size, 6'6", 295, how he gets out and, you know, in the run game, how low he how low he plays, the projection there is it's pretty safe that he's going to be a darn good one at the next level. And Sullivan is going to have a chance to see his future team kind of close by this week as the Irish go to his home state of North Carolina to take on the Tar Heels. Now let's get to Jaden Osbury, the linebacker from Louisiana. I'm wondering, Mike, and I've read this, and I don't know how much this factors in, but his size you know, maybe not the prototypical size you're looking for for a linebacker. Has that held him back, do you think, in some of these rankings? And now his talent is overshadowing that, and he's starting to move up the rankings? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, he's not the biggest. He's not, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's listed at six foot and a half, 202 pounds. Um, but, you know, he, he's been outstanding um, as a senior. To, it's just I think he's only played in two or three games. Um, but, you know, what I was told, he's been playing fast and physical. And that, that, that's pretty good. And, 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 you know, when someone's using the word striking power as a linebacker, yeah, that, that sounds good as well. So that's Jaden Osbury, number 202 overall player, number 17 linebacker, and he moved up. 17 spots in the national ranking. So the industry standards higher on Osbury than on three's own rankings. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he's a darn good talent. And uh, his brother plays cornerback at Auburn and, and the Tigers coaching staff is not letting up on having the Osbury duo um, in Auburn, uh, but do believe that the fighting Irish should be able to hold off that SEC school. And the third player that moved up in these rankings is Drake Bowen. Yeah, how about that? Another linebacker. Someone who, for whatever reasons, just kind of consistently fallen in the rankings, Darren. But um, he moved up 27 spots um, and, and, and was told that, you know, on three got their hands on some verified data on him. Uh, data is getting that arm length and hand size and, and accurate height and weight and 40 time. It's big for these ranking sites. And, Darren, it's huge for Notre Dame and these other schools. They want that stuff bad because, I mean, think about if you're hiring for a job and you got 50 resumes that come in, you're looking for anything that can kind of, and they're all similar, let's say. You're looking for anything that can separate a Mike Singer from a Darren Pritchett. You know, obviously Darren's got the good looks over Mike Singer. Um, I've always been told I got a face for radio, so maybe that's why I do so well as a guest on WSBT. Um, but, um, yeah, jokes aside, bad example. Yeah, I mean, it, 
<laughs> Bowen's also been outstanding to start his senior season as well. He's just been such a highly productive player that's carried that team, you know, for the past couple of years. Um, definitely an outstanding talent. Advantage, Mike Singer, when it comes to our favorite NFL teams. Your Miami Dolphins are what Tua and O. I understand not two and O, but they're Tua and O. We've been two and O plenty of times recently, but. but... This one feels different. Yes. They don't drop 40 points very often. Hill and Waddle out there, and with your mad scientist head coach, you guys might be on to something. Buffalo and Miami coming up, that's going to be a lot of fun. While my team doesn't know how to kick field goals or get delayed game, the Broncos are kind of a mess right now. So, advantage. Broncos. Yeah, okay. advantage singer on that one. So, we're even, 1-1. One, one. Let's talk about Jack Larson for a couple of moments. You went to see the tight end. What was your takeaway? Outst- yeah, outstanding. Just I thought kind of picked picked up where he left off when uh, we. Uh, last time I got to see him, um, you know, yeah, I, I actually went out and covered his commitment and got some video of him running around, um, you know, with, with a couple of teammates. But you know, Irish Invasion back in June. He, I mean. He was just dominant. You know, you could argue he was the best player there. So this class of 2024 tight end commit for the Irish four-star prospect, according to the on three consensus on three's own rankings, have him a little bit lower. Um, but look, I, he, he's a receiving tight end all the way. I mean, he's serviceable as a blocker, but you know, at six, three, 212 pounds, and he's only a junior. So who knows? You could get, you know, grow another inch and put on some more weight, but um just kind of his size and skill set, he's a receiving tight end all the way. So you like Michael Mayer is that perfect blend of receiving and blocking. Although I think you can kind of the, – the topic of Notre Dame's tight ends blocking, is a, that's a different one. We could say that for a different day, Darren. But um, Larson's not going to be someone you're going to want to, you know, use as a, you know inline blocker all the time. But serviceable in that area and just an outstanding route. He's just another receiver. You know, that, like that's that's kind of Jack Larson. So, and he's really good at it. I was going to say the video you posted of him, several videos. Seems like he's got awfully good, strong hands. Made a couple yeah. of really outstanding catches. Yeah, yeah. He caught it. Was four. I mean, the, his team was just absolutely dismantling the other team, and did post a YouTube video with highlights and whatnot um, after that game. So, so folks can check that out if they want to. But. Um, yeah, he's had a great start to his junior season. I was, you know, it was a great atmosphere at Charlotte Catholic, one of the better atmospheres at a high school game that I've been to in a while. Uh, it, it was surprising how outstanding it was, and yeah, he played a, a pretty darn good game. He's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, our Notre Dame recruiting update on WSBT Radio, also available on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Dylan Edwards. From Kansas, one of those guys that the Irish were able to flip. He had a five-touchdown game last weekend? Four rushing scores, um, Darren, and also um, uh, returned a punt back to the house. Um, So, yeah, that's not too bad. 19 rushing attempts, 185 yards, and, yeah, four rushing touchdowns. His Season totals, 44 carries, 482 yards, seven touchdowns, and that's just in three games. So, um, yeah, Darren, and, and, and for folks watching on YouTube, we can we can pop on the film and a radio audience. You'll uh, 
It was just tough to visualize. listen to us talk about it. But yeah, visualize. I mean, I think that 5'8", 190-pound, you know, is or 108. I don't know. Actually, that he's not even close to being that big. But, you know, that, that smaller speedster, you know, in the return game, get him out wide um, in the rushing attack, just dynamic so quick. You know, you can't catch him in a phone booth kind of player. Um, Darren, he's, he's outstanding. He's, you know, look, Notre Dame's looking to take three running backs in this class and they can do that because Edwards is really just an offensive weapon. You know, he's just, yeah, put him wherever. I think Jeremiah Love, the running back from St. Louis who, uh, visited campus for the Marshall game, Notre Dame's still battling for him. He's kind of in the same mold as well. Just get them and put them on the field and let them make plays. Like those Dylan Edwards, Jeremiah Love, both that and yeah, Edwards, uh, is a fantastic player. You know, Edwards being from Kansas, how about the fact that two traditional basketball powers, Duke and Kansas are 3-0 and right now in college football. What in the world is going on? I mean, Notre Dame is 1-2, and Kansas is 3-0. and Now I know competition level a little different, but holy cow, some uh, basketball programs having some success right now. Well, I'd throw North Carolina in there. Yep. They're 3-0, but they've played, you know, Mike Singer State and Darren Pritchett U. I mean, they haven't played anybody. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see just how good they are this Saturday. The App State game is crazy. I have never seen a game where a team gives up 40 points in the fourth quarter and still wins. I can't imagine that's happened very often. No. Okay. Beats me. No, you got nothing. Let's move on. So from last year's class – we're starting to see guys pop up now in Notre Dame games. I mean, Benjamin Morrison started last week, Mike. I mean, this is a guy that arrived on campus over the summer. I, I don't know if anybody on the beat even mentioned him for the possibility of, I would say, being on the depth chart, let alone working in his fall way. Camp. In, in, in fall camp, Darren. People started yes. to see him getting in there and started writing them writing about him a lot, but I'm sorry, continue. That's okay. I was just saying over the summer, I mean, nobody had this guy on the radar and he just absolutely continues to shine. So is this kind of a, an upset surprise from your standpoint, following him last year? So I, I started covering Notre Dame. My first year was, was uh, the 2019 season. I can't remember that year. If there was a, a freshman surprise, you know, maybe you can throw in Jay Bramblett. I, or I, you know, I don't know. I guess that wasn't a surprise to yeah. him. start. But the 2020 season, it was Clarence Lewis out of nowhere. Silver enrollee comes in and starts over. Tariq Bracey was a mainstay in the 2019 defense. Like what? Of course, Joe Alt last year. This year. Oh, I knew about Joe Alt. Morrison. Oh, of course. I mean, Mike Singer was on Joe Alt from day one. So I knew about it. I was ahead of everybody else on but, that one. But. Mike Singer didn't think Joe Walt was going to play as a true freshman. The kid was like 230 pounds as a junior. And then two years later, he's saying he's starting left tackle for Notre Dame. Are you kidding me? So that one would even surprise old Mike Singer. So this one, this year, it looks to be Ben Morrison, Darren. Um, again, another summer enrollee. So were all Lewis. You know, just these guys have just come in. They're ready to go plug and play. Um, you know, Jaden Mickey was someone who talks was talked about a lot, you know, in the spring ball, and he's played a good bit of snaps. But Morrison started, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, but in terms of this, 
this topic of right we're about to get to is, any, is there anyone else that you're looking, who are you looking forward to right? seeing it on the field or maybe who you think is next however you want to go Eli Raird oh I think that he can have a like so Michael Mayer when he came everyone expected him to play as far as that was not a surprise I think Eli Raritan has like Michael Mayer upside. Um, he, he, yeah, he's an outstanding. Um, he's a, he, Mike, uh, Eli Raritan, I think six six two hundred twenty eight is what he's listed at. I, I believe as a recruit, um, I mean top hundred type player um, for sure coming out of Iowa. And I'm, I mean we're, we're starting to see him a little bit get in more and more. He tore his ACL in December. Um, playing basketball so quick recovery I mean he's playing I mean he, he I mean just you know 13 14 personnel and so nothing crazy but I do think that look you got Mayor he's tight end one I mean if Eli Reardon's ready and raring to go you like that there I felt yeah I felt you yep. yeah but you're you gonna tell me he's not you know he can't be tight end too like I mean, I think he could really add something to this passing attack. So, I mean, obviously Tobias Merriweather, yeah, that's that's an obvious one. People want to see more of him. But um, I thought about going with Steve Angeli, but you know, hopefully Drew Pine can you know lead the troops successfully, and Angeli can learn the playbook before you know, like really you know yeah. get first team reps before he's got to go out there. Um, man, that would have been tough. A week of practice with the, with getting actual first team reps and not just being the scout quarterback, you know. And then you get thrown in against Cal. That would have been a tough ask for Steve Angeli. So you know, let that young man develop before he's got to go out there. But uh, yeah, I would say Eli Raritan is the guy I'm really looking forward to seeing because I I do think that he could make a big impact. I'm really going to test your memory here. So if you don't remember, I totally get it because you've got like five million names in your head. So since Notre Dame is playing Carolina this week, Derek May was an Alabama commitment at one time. Then he flipped to North Carolina. Do you recall if Notre Dame ever talked to him? Derek May, the quarterback? Yeah. What class year was he? That's... He was at North Carolina 2020, first year. Or... Oh, no, no. No, no, wait a minute. If this is his a... second year at Carolina. Excuse me. So if he was a class of 2021, he was a freshman in 21. He's, 2021. Yeah, he played a little bit, no. obviously with Howell, he wasn't going to play did, much. Notre Dame did not offer him. Okay, I was just curious. So, well, that's the same class as um, uh, Caleb Williams from uh, the Washington D.C. Gonzaga, and Notre Dame zeroed in on Buckner. Didn't offer Caleb Williams. They're not for Drake May. It was all, it was just pretty much all Buckner. Hmm. You know, they didn't really go after other other quarterbacks, Darren. Believe that or not. Yeah, I just May looks really advanced now. I know he's played Florida A and M, App State, who's okay, and then Georgia State. But uh, he looks the part right now. He's running, throwing it accurately. Eleven touchdowns, one interception. I just like to dream a little bit and wonder what could have been. So. Quarterback recruiting, Darren. It's been interesting. Yes, it has. To say the least. <laughs> it keep, I know that's hey, something we it keeps you employed, Mike. <laughs> yeah, but then it, it increases my, you know, I'm starting to get some grays, you know, here and there on my head. So, yeah, keeps me employed, but, yeah, more gray hair. Job security. 
That's what we need to say. Job security. Yeah, job security. All right, so what do you have cooking at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com? A lot, Darren. It's, it's, it's just a lot. I mean, Darren, we do the show every week, and there's always things to talk about, always recruiting topics to cover and report on. Official visitor um, this past week, um, Tayshawn Lyons, a four-star receiver from California. Um, before we started recording this, Darren, I was on the phone with him, interviewing him, so that you know people can find that story at balloongold.com uh, probably Wednesday morning. Is today Tuesday? Yep, today's Tuesday, so Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, $1 for one year premium access. You're getting all the recruiting information, all of the information on the football team, what the players, what the coaches are saying, what our writers at Blue and Gold are reporting, um, and then the loose emoji message board, um, of course, named after the uh, GOAT of Notre Dame Athletics, Russ and Peace Lou. And, yeah, we talk Notre Dame ball. A lot of frustrated fans, a lot of optimistic fans. It's just a melting pot of the fighting Irish community, so we would love to have you there. We missed Lou in a moment like this when we were talking Notre Dame quarterback recruiting. Are you kidding me? I mean, just this season. Yeah. I mean, you know how far back we would go to, like, say, oh, well, this is how these other, you know, coaches started. And, I mean, just all of the context that that man could bring. We are uh, very much missing. I'm missing him as a friend, as a coworker. But right now, Darren, most of all, as a Notre Dame follower, like wanting to know what Lou would have to say and what information and context you'd bring. That's how I miss him the most right now. We were robbed, my man. We were robbed. That's for sure. Mike, good to catch up with you. We will talk to you again next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 